Okay, everybody sit up straight. A very important person has walked into the room. I've been dying to get my verbal pause on Jill Soloway for a long time because I'm such a huge, huge fan. And um, before Jill walked in, I was uh, walking down the hall, and there was Mario Correa, and I said, Mario, get your hiney in my studio. And so you're getting a twofer. You're getting... Jill Soloway, amazing, and Mario Correa hanging out with us in studio on The Jolt. I'm Larry Flick. What a pleasure to meet you. Great to meet you also. It's really, really nice to have you here. Jill Soloway, you know her as um, as a, a, a great writer. She's so funny. Um, the great movie Afternoon Delight and, of course, our obsession. Our obsession. Transparent. So... Uh, the great thing uh, happening in uh, in Jill's life, in addition to all of that, is that she's going to be delivering the keynote address at the AFI Directing Workshop for Women. This is uh, happening, it's a showcase that's happening on May 14th. Do I have that right? That's correct. And uh, you're also going to be the artist in residence for the upcoming... Um, uh, how, would, how, would you, how would you describe this? You're doing this with uh, Gina prince Blythewood. And uh, and with Daisy von Schurlemeyer. Did I get that sure. right? <laughs> yeah. Well, this is these are the names that have been given to me, Jill. And so we like to make sure that everybody feels like they've gotten some love. Yes. Um, you have had the most uh, extraordinary couple of years, haven't you? It's been busy. It's been busy. Have you had a chance to to absorb what what it all means? I have not. Maybe we can figure that out today. I'm not. I'm not. I am not very absorbent. You're not absorbent. <laughs> Absorbent. You're not. You're not, you're not the, the quicker like picker upper of it all. I, I am not. I am not. <laughs> that generational quickly, reference. Yeah, I get it. Oh, good. I'm not uh, quickly pickering uppering any of it. It's just I'm a bad paper towel. It's pooling on top of me. <laughs> You know what? You were saying that to the wrong queen, Because <laughs> my mind is a little too dirty for that one. <laughs> and Mario's blushing. Already so. blushing. Radio we've, blush. We've already Radio blush. We've already but I mean, I, I, I mean, I guess you know, I start there, which is which is a, kind of an obvious and maybe silly place to start. But there's such a, a bigness around, particularly around transparent. I mean, is there... I remember when I watched the first couple of episodes before they went out for people, when Jeffrey Tambor came to see us uh, in preparation for him to come to see us. And I thought, how do you make the story of uh, a, a trans person of a certain age so funny, yet so warm, so like, I want to be her best friend? How do you do that? Well, it's very natural because everybody feels that way about Jeffrey Tambor anyway. He's yeah. so amazing. Um, and it always was Jeffrey Tambor in my mind. There was ever, never any question that anybody else was going to play Mora. Um, and it's because Jeffrey Tambor really reminds me so much of my parent. And I feel so warmly to my parent. And when they came out about three years ago, the show was almost this kind of instantaneous subconscious love letter to my parent. I didn't realize it at the time, but now I look back and I realize that creating this show was a way to make the world safer for my parent to walk out of 
their apartment building, to catch a taxi, to stand in the elevator, to not get the looks and the stares and the questions, to not be misgendered, to not be kicked out of dressing rooms of stores. Like, the show's a comedy. We're here to talk about art making, but the civil rights movement that is now beginning about people really understanding things like bathrooms, locker rooms, dressing rooms, trans bodies, trans awareness, it's... um. I was almost doing it from a place of love, like wanting to make the world safer for my parent, the way like a parent would cover their child if there mm. was an explosion nearby, that you just want your family to be happy and safe. From that sprung a feeling that it had to be authentic and true and funny to me and funny to my sister and funny to my family. It's almost like the show is written in this sort of Soloway family silly voice. And... So yeah, the fun, the funniness and the lovingness all woven together is this very natural byproduct of wanting to make a safe space in the world for my parent and a safe space for all the artists to come to work and play and explore. Did you feel the compulsion to talk with your parent before you started writing? I was going to say before the show came on. Uh, <laughs> before, yes. Um, I, I was actually writing before I... Before I really knew what I was writing, I yeah. was writing as a way to process what was happening and, right. and often having the feeling as a TV writer, oh, this is a show. I mean, I think all people have the, my life feels like a TV show. I hear that <laughs> from people all the time. I mean, I walk in here and I think this should be a TV show. It was for a second, right? When Jeffrey Tambor played the boss of a radio. Oh, right. Yeah. Of yeah, a whole yeah, yeah. place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Larry Sanders. So, yeah. No, no, no. But there was a pilot about. Oh, right. A pilot. Yeah. A place yeah. just like this where there were radio hosts mm-hmm. all in one. It was like a satellite radio place. Anyway. They stole it. Diversion. How From rude. Us. How rude. Yeah. But it never went. Because um, I stomped it. Yes. You stomped it out. But yeah. <laughs> I, that's like a, it's like a common sort of like. A, a common sort of like neurotic response to a moment of like, I, I this had better be something. I, this better be my show or my poem or my my blog. This is a blog. This is going to be a blog. <laughs> like diverting emotions into art product is a very common thing. Yeah, no and one can exist just on their own now. Everything no. has to be sort of like objectified into a product that others can, I yeah, guess. Yeah, but it helps, I think, because you don't have to really tolerate the moment because then you're thinking about the making of it. And so that was happening to me the whole time. I was like, this is a show. This is, now this is a show. Wait a minute. This is, this is really a show. Um, but when it really seemed like, okay, Amazon's going to buy it and I'm going to make it, I think that's when I talked to my parent about it. And how did that go over? At first, they were um, a little bit nervous, actually, about what it would mean to... They were very excited for me to make the show. They weren't sure they wanted to be associated. They didn't want, like, every single person in the world n- knowing their coming out like story. Being, yeah, I was going to say, because it's sort of like being outed. In yes, a way. it totally is. It totally is. And, and, and this isn't kind of like, oh, you like to kiss boys. This is big-time stuff. Yes. For a lot of people. Yes. No matter how enlightened we all pretend to be. Yes, it's big time stuff. It's very it's it's serious. So um yeah, I um I think our whole family went on a journey over the past few years. The first one was like, what if this was a show? And where we are now is like, wow, this is part of an important cultural moment. It's our job as a family to be okay with having found ourselves in this position because it's so much bigger than any of us. But yeah, along the way there was a little bit of like oh my God, is this really going to happen and what's going to be like? For sure, the fear. I mean, the world still is so far behind in terms of rights and respect for trans people, so it makes sense that they would be afraid. Indeed. That's Jill Soloway joining us on The Jolt. I'm Larry Flick, and Mario Correa of News & Notes on EW Radio is here. you want to jump in? Sure. Um, Thank you. 
Um, I noticed that you refer to your parent as your parent, and you talk about they sort of not assigning a pronoun. How did you come to that? And is that, I'm sure that's part of the journey. How do you think about your parent in these terms that when you describe to others? Yeah, I mean, that's part of getting the language right uh, out of respect, you know, as an ally for trans people. You know, a lot of people will immediately be like, well, why are you saying they? You can't say they. It's not correct English. And I always sort of point people to this YouTube video that explains why they is correct English. Mm -hmm. If you, Mario, had a friend and you said, I'm going to the airport to pick up my friend after this, I would say to you, oh, what time do they land? So they is a very common pronoun when you don't know the gender of somebody and when you're referring to somebody whose gender isn't clear and gender doesn't necessarily matter for the information. So I love to just say they because, um, and, and I find myself now saying they about people when I do know the gender because in some ways it just kind of normalizes um, the experience of pers- the person as a human and takes out the question of what, of what gender the person is, which is a really interesting exercise for everybody in your life. You know, my best friend is coming. What time are they coming? How long would you go before you would want to know if, if Mario's best friend was a girl or a boy, you know? Yeah. Um, and then, so, so that's the sort of interesting thought exercise that I think is completely easy for cis people to do for trans people, even though cis people act like language is so hard. It's actually quite easy once you train your mind, train your mind to it. And then, you know, there's this concept of the trans umbrella. There are some people who transition from male to female, from female to male, and are just one gender. But there are many people who are genderqueer and who don't feel comfortable with one or the other pronoun and who um, may feel more masculine or more feminine at different times in the day, week, year. Uh, and they is a perfect pronoun where you never have to worry about whether or not you're misgendering them. But don't you also find that when people start to get that nitpicky that you just want to say, mind your fucking business. This is how I choose to speak. It's really, t- it's not really about, um, I, I think it's really important actually. I don't think it's, I don't think it's uh, petty and I don't think it's silly and I don't think it's even about mind your own business. This is a real lesson um, for all of us as we're growing as a culture about gender. So I'm happy to explain they to people. Yes, people get confused. They think I'm talking about two people. Um, I use the word parent instead of dad because even though I use the word dad when my parent, when I was younger, um, the trans community as as they see it would would um, see it as they were always my parent. Um, and, and now that they are my MAPA, we use the word MAPA from the mm-hmm. TV show, um, to continue to use the word dad would be to misgender them. Mm. Makes sense. Makes total sense. Um, when did you realize that part of what would make transparent work would be to make sure that it's not just the story of one person? Because what I like about transparent is that it is a true ensemble. Yeah, piece. it really is. And I get as caught up in the stories of the other people and their misadventures as I do Mora. That Mora turns into a piece of the puzzle as opposed to the only piece. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. That's beautiful. That was pretty much um, there early on. I always saw the structure of the show as a circle with these five people in it. Almost this kind of, um, you know, ring like a kind of, um, you know, what's it called? A lifesaver? A life preserver. I see the five people as all holding on to a life Mm. preserver. And they're all out there kind of just like rocking on the ocean that is life. And the life preserver is the secret. The life preserver is the life that they all live together in the not knowing of this person, Mora. And they're holding on to it for dear life as they're trying to understand who they are in relationship to this news. That they have a family member they've never met. 
that there's a woman who was in their home their whole lives who they never knew. Um, in some ways, this might be a little bit too complicated, <clears throat> but it was a really a big organizing principle for me, and it resonates with people who grew up in houses with secrets. That the secret was the boundary. It was a very unboundaried family, and they were able to be so unboundaried, all up in each other's business, you know, overly close, because the secret was this huge space where they didn't know each other and couldn't see each other because of this big elephant in the room. And then once the secret is out, now these five people have to figure out what their boundaries are. It's a really interesting way of thinking the series. I hadn't thought about it that way, but it's true. They really are all in each other's business as soon as the secret is yes. revealed to them. Yeah. yeah, And they've all been in each other's business their whole lives because they don't know where their own boundaries are because the secret stood in for the boundary. So a lot of people find that, you know, like that when, when, when they find out that something in their childhood was not as they thought, which is a very common feeling that they, they look back at their childhood at this kind of funhouse mirror. It wasn't what I thought it was. Um, now these kids are all on their journey and, and uh, mom, you know, and Shelly, everybody's on this journey to fi- really find their, their selves yeah. in the face of what they all shared, which was growing up Pfefferman. And yeah, the, the spinning circle and the five of them holding on and how each of them would all affect each other that was always there for me. I, I was obsessed with shows like Louie and shows like Girls and really like loved the kind of unlikable protagonist of Hannah or of mm-hmm. Louie and thought like, what would it like, be like to have sort of five unlikable protagonists or <laughs> unlikable in quotes because I love them all. Um, screwing up and doing the wrong thing and making mistakes and making messes, but just, you know, sort of all connected to each other. But you know what's really interesting about about that that kind that kind of conceit for for a show is as you're talking I'm thinking okay um having a light bulb moment in my family the uh the uh, obstacle or the barrier was my father's alcoholism when he was and he was an active drinker until I was 21 and when he stopped drinking all the boundaries changed all the rules changed he changed Sort of, sort of like Mora, sort of, because Mora's still Mora. Mora's always been Mora. Mm-hmm. Just Mora's kind of more available than she was previously. Mm-hmm. And and I think whether anyone can identify it, and I'm only just now identifying it honestly as we're speaking, is every family has an obstacle. It's just a matter of whether or not that obstacle is ever removed. Mm or lifted. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's why people I know who have no interest or or any kind of connection to the LGBT world mm-hmm. love this show mm-hmm. because of that conceit which I which I'd never put together in my brain. And uh, I mean I'm a gay man, my sister's a lesbian, I have two straight sisters, my you know. And 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 we had a very specific functioning circle that changed very much once he sobered up. Yeah. And the, and the, and for your dad, the sobriety is like a transition in some ways. And I heard something interesting. Somebody said on the radio a few weeks ago, somebody who was trans said um, that the whole family transitions. One person comes out and then over the next few years, everybody's transitioning. Yeah. And, and it's not, the same thing with the system probably of your family. Yeah. It's this slow sort of um, sobriety in right. some ways. But what's interesting is in our transition, not the family didn't survive intact because I'm actually estranged from my family now. They actually found a tighter closeness that eventually removed me from the process. As you were creating this circle, 
how did you decide or I mean, yeah, how did you decide that everyone would survive? Well, we still don't. I mean, you know, at the end and the very, very end of the last episode, you know, we were probably going to uh, write it as the we had written it actually as though Allie was jettisoned. Right. Mm -hmm. She was going to drive off actually in the very last scene. Um, we had a we had written it where um, Tigran, the Uber driver who she met when she was on ecstasy, <laughs> um, came and uh, she happened to run into Tigran at the end of that shiva and got in his car and drove away. And then, actually, I think it was Joe at Amazon. We get very few notes, but this was one of them. Was like, I just want some feeling of hope. We know we know Gabby Hoffman's not leaving the show. We know Ali's not leaving his family. Yeah. So let's have some piece of hope. And that's when we had her come back and hold on to Sarah's hair. Remember, she comes and she grabs yeah. Sarah's hair. Yeah. And it's like, there's this one little tiny strand, and is it DNA? Is it history? Is it legacy? Something connects her to these people. Um, but I think even more so in season two, people are going to be really flailing out into the world trying to escape each other. So interesting. Jill Soloway visiting with us on the Jolt. Mario Correa, our, our comrade-in-arms from EW Radio News and Notes, is here as well. Did you want to dive in? Yeah, and I'm, I'm so fascinated by this that I'm that I'm just taking it all in. But the character of Judith Light, who plays the mom in the family, is a really interesting one, I think, as well. Because I would imagine, without knowing about um, a family where where someone was trans, that that the mom would feel very displaced in the scenario and would be very bitter, or at least sort of show some recrimination. But you keep her as part of that whole. I wonder if you could talk about how it is that you thought through the mom character, and if that's based on your own experience there too. Yeah, so um, my mom really wants me to make sure that I make it clear to everybody that Elaine Soloway is not Shelley Pfefferman. <laughs> Elaine Soloway is not Shelley Pfefferman. Shelley Pfefferman is not Elaine Soloway. <laughs> However, I am free to publicize that Elaine Soloway is a writer herself and can be followed on Facebook, Instagram, <laughs> or Twitter at any moment. <laughs> So Perfect. to your listeners. There you go. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Two-handed. Uh, not Shelly Pfefferman, but uh, her own person who uh, is happy to um, have you reach out. Um, but um, my mom is not Shelly Pfefferman, but uh, was very much like Shelly in that she kind of didn't really blink hmm. um, and uh, still hasn't. You know, she's still sort of, you know, people are people. People grow. People change. Wow. Um, you know, we, we all are very, we are, we are actually all closer, the four of us. We don't have a brother, but my sister Faith is a writer on the show. She's a lesbian. She's kind of Sarah, not really Sarah. I'm, we're, we're all, all of the kids, but, um, some aspects of the show, even though it's fictional, are kind of the way our family, you know, operated. And one of those was that, yeah, my mom was just like super chill early on. It's amazing. It yeah. is amazing. So does this, um, Obviously, this becomes a defining moment in your life and a, a defining moment in your career. Does this ever become a dangerous albatross around your neck for future creativity? There's, there, I haven't come across anything dangerous or albatrossy yet. But, um, you, but you know what I mean, where because sometimes the biggest blessings can become your. You know what? Your I think I'm old curse. enough. I think I'm old enough that I'm ready for this. I was ready for this. You yeah. Know? I think if this had happened a lot sooner, it could be an albatross. But I'm so, um, in a place of just like I'm so excited about directing. I love directing. I love the part where I'm standing on the set hmm. across from, you know, Amy Landecker, Gabby Hoffman, Judith 
effing oh light. Oh my gosh. Jealous. And we're playing. Yeah, we're playing. We're playing theater. We're playing play. We're playing plays. And they're all about my own life and my own emotion. Why wouldn't? It's just like, it's heavenly. It's pure heaven. It sounds heavenly. It's heavenly. And so now I, I get to do this. You know, I get to I get to come here and meet you guys. But I know that, like, what's the goal? Is it, like, being more famous? Is it being on more shows? Is it getting more awards? No, the goal is I can't wait to get back to the set and do the thing where I get to play with Judith Light and... Jeffrey Tambor in a room with costumes. <laughs> when, when, and so when is that happening? Because I'm tired June of waiting. June 26. Because we're tired of waiting. Yeah, it's yeah. going to take a minute. And also, like, I'm writing a movie, and this technique, this directing technique, which invol- involves kind of a way of being present for emotions, is something I'm working with other people to learn. So to me, it's not about, like, can transparent still be good forever? It's like, how can we take the tools that brought us transparent and keep keep playing with them mm. and, and keep sharing them with other people? So... We, we, we can't let you out of here, but we do in a minute. Uh, but we can't let you out of here without congratulating you for being one of Time's 100 most influential people. Thank you. Does that even feel like you? Yeah. It does not. It doesn't, I mean, does it? I mean, I just, just reading that, it's like, <laughs> who is her? Who is she? I, you know what? The, the, it, the, 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 fa- the, the small, fun way it feels like me is I had a couple friends like respond on Facebook by going like, you've really, yeah, you're a big influence on me. You, you're, you've influenced me. And I was like, oh, yeah, I may have influenced a few people to but what do, do you get? Things. Do you get like a chocolate cake in the mail? <laughs> I'm or? gonna find out tonight. I'm I'm I don't e- I don't even know. It's like, are you sitting at a table? Are you sitting in rows? I've heard a few things. A lucite award of some. Variety I don't know if there's a shape. thing. No, uh, there could be a thing, but I feel like there's not going to be a thing that, Maybe just that give will come your later free in the copy mail. Of the, the magazine. <laughs> Here's your magazine. Get out of here. Um, I've heard. Th- well, I guess Kanye is going to be singing. Oh, performing. Mm. Um, I've heard Sorry. that everybody <laughs> goes out. Like the people who hang around till the very last dregs end up going out and like doing karaoke together. Wow, that's the best part. Now that sounds like fun. Yes. Who influences the set list? Let's see who's the most influential. (laughs) What's your karaoke song? I I don't think I'll sing. I think I'll just. Oh, everybody sings. Really? Come on. I don't know. Maybe I can do like the rose or something. The rose is too hard. (laughs) Don't you forget about me? That simple mind song has a very mid range. Easy to sing. At least she didn't say "Sweet Child of Mine." At least she didn't say "Sweet Child of Mine." Okay. I'm talking about you like you're not yeah, here. Yeah, I'm not here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've, I've already gone. You're. All, I'm already at karaoke. <laughs> <laughs> the rose. I'm picturing you the singing the rose. <laughs> Don't do the rose. I'm crying just thinking about That's it. Too sad, uh, guys. I'm not going to sing at all. Can you imagine who's going to be there? You think I'm really going to sing in front of those people? Yes, you should. Really? Yeah. Totally. <laughs> I would, and I don't like just. And I'm a terrible singer. I'm just going to take it in. I'm just going to take it in. This is, my, this is my first time at the big time. I'm, I'm picturing take it in. Kanye listening to you singing The Rose in a small little karaoke club <laughs> just in New me York. And Kanye. Perfect. Just me and Kanye duetting. Oh my God, wouldn't that be amazing? It would. I want to be there for that. We'll be the chorus, the backup. We'll be the back. Actually, maybe you could do like an old like Kiss song, like yes. Love Gun. Mm. Well, I like this. When you said Kiss, I thought of Beth. I like a slow song. Beth! Oh. oh, so, you, oh so you're a balladeer. I, I'm bella- you're <laughs> balladeer. balladeer. <laughs> I love Beth ballad. would be fab. Why don't I do Beth, guys, with Kanye? <laughs> Sold. <laughs> Done. Jill Soloway, congratulations. And thank you. Thank, thank you for you coming guys. to see us. So thank you fun. for, for turning, uh, turning your life into something that is uh, enriching and entertaining and life-changing. Wow, thank you. You've changed a lot of lives. Gosh, thank you. You know you have. It's nice to hear it. Well, it's true. It's true. Thank it's you. It's true. It's true. Um, and, uh, yeah. Come back and see us and get to work. Okay, I will. (laughs) 
Some of us are tired of waiting. Yeah, time's a wasting. Really? Yeah. Mario? Oh, my gosh. We'll see Seriously. you in the hall. Clock, clock. <laughs> <laughs> Stick around. There's more to come on the jolt.